Welcome to today's audio podcast from the Church at Bushland. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of the Church at Bushland and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at thechurchatbushland.com or download our app for both iOS and Android devices by searching for The Church at Bushland. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment to let us know by emailing us at media at thechurchatbushland.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by visiting thechurchatbushland.com slash give. Well, I'll say like I said in the first service, what's up, Bushland, Texas? So I know some of you come out of Amarillo in different areas, and some of you are online, but um, just so thankful to be in God's house and be with you today. Uh, and if you can't tell, I'm a man that carries wisdom, putting a beautiful blonde next to me uh, and bringing her up here with me today. Um, very thankful to have her. Um, I, man, she's been such a blessing in my life. Uh, she's cute, loves Jesus, a lot of fun, and giving me four children um, and a huge part of my life. And so I didn't want to be in this pulpit today without her next to me, sharing our stories together, because so much of what God has intricately done in my life has been connected to her. Um, And so he has woven us together. Um, There's a call on Jenna's life to serve and to love people. She's going to be a future nurse, uh, hopefully, until May, we'll find out. Uh, And so, but she's just excited about her future, but she has such a heart for ministry. Uh, We come to you as a team. Um, We don't come separate. And so we bring our whole family here to do ministry. Uh, That's what we've been doing uh, for the past 16 years of our life, um, ministry together as one. And so um, we are so thankful to be here. I know scripture says we enter his courts with thanksgiving. And from the bottom of my heart, you're going to know this about me. I cry a lot. I mean, a lot. And so if you're a crier, just get ready. When I come and preach or I get the opportunity, we'll cry together. All right. And so you can blame my mom and my Annie Ronda out here too. They cry. That's where I inherited it from. And so uh, I cry a lot, but I just feel so, they're, they're probably already crying. Uh, and so I just feel so grateful and thankful that God has brought me to you. And so I hope that I serve the way that God has called me to, because I feel like it is a privilege to be placed in the position that I am in right now and what God has opened up. There's so many other guys that could have come into this position that God could have stirred their heart for, but I believe that he specifically designed for me and Jenna to be here and serve together. And so we believe it is ordained ground for us to be here. And so um, very thankful for Melissa and Jeff. Um, it just the, I'll tell you a little bit of detail when I met with Jeff that I just thought he was different um, in some ways um, and not in the ways that y'all probably know him for after long, long time. Jeffisms, right? Smoke you like wolf brand chili, right? Uh, he says some crazy things in the pulpit. Um, but when we've, when we've met, I noticed this about Jeff. Jeff is a feeler. Jeff has put, it, he put his hand on me a lot. And the day that I was going through some things with the church that I was pastoring and we had our first kind of meeting together, he put his hand on the back of my head just grabbed me, looked at me right like, and I thought, how do you do ministry as long as you've done ministry and you still want to touch people like that? Um, because sometimes I was in a place I didn't, I mean, I was just, just sensitive and it was just, you know, and for him to grab me and I just felt like the Lord 
just connected me and him, and it was through his touch. And then y'all have, he's been this pastor here for a long time, and you can see that in Jeff, the way that he touches, the way that he does. The love of Jesus exists in his hands. And so uh, I also feel called to be here to love, honor, and respect um, Jeff and Melissa Ponder. Um, we feel we are here to support them and the vision that they have for this church and to help them extend the tents and what we're doing here and what God's doing. Um, and so feel very fortunate to be here and to be in your midst. A um, couple of crazy things that I've noticed about Bushland, Texas. When I was in high school, Bushland really didn't even exist. All I knew about Bushland was there's that little mountain-looking thing that we consider a mountain, and it had all those little metal things around it, and Bushland was somewhere over there. Um, and I never went through Bushland and didn't know anything about it. And so as we have really pulled in and been here, y'all are like little house on the prairie on steroids out here. And so... <laughs> Um, it is like crazy. Everybody builds a big house. You get your dirt plot, you build a big house, and you better build a shop or it's illegal, all right? If you don't build a shop, then you're not keeping up with everybody, all right? And so it's just crazy. It's just dirt. There's no trees. There's a whole lot of snakes, which I'll talk about here in a little bit. Um, but it's just, it's like a little house on the prayer. I think it's awesome. I think it's incredible that God has brought all of these people out here. And I know some of you come from the city and other places and Canyon and other places. And so I just think it's cool what God has developed here, um, out here on the prairie. Amen. And so just a neat opportunity. The other thing is that I had, to, I gave him credit in the first church. This is the first time I've ever seen a long haired guitar player that has cowboy boots just flat out get it every week. And so, I mean, just get it. I don't know if you know Jake, but every week Jake is just going, man. And so that's the first First thing I noticed about the church, I mean, Paxton and his wife are incredible. The worship team's incredible, but I thought, who is the guitar player in the back, man? And so he's incredible. And so I just had to give him some credit today. And he rocks cowboy boots every week. And so last thing is something fun and crazy that's happened. We, I was here at like nine o'clock last night um, and walked around my desk to get my computer and a snake struck at me twice in my office. Um, and it wasn't a big, you know, I joked that I killed the rattlesnake, slapped it against the wall in the first service and told it to get out of here. I didn't do that. It was like probably a bull snake about this long, but I'm telling you, it scared me to death. And so I've killed two snakes. So outside of being an associate pastor, I will be your snake killer in town if you need to. And some people want to save snakes. I think they should all die. Uh, I think every one of them. And if I can get a hallelujah, amen, come on with it, Right. They should all die, and they should not be sitting underneath my chair, all right? And so they shouldn't be doing that. So I believe God has brought us here to get the snakes out, and so that's what we're here for, uh, and we're excited about the opportunity. And so if you got your scripture with you, you can turn to Matthew chapter 16, and then I'm going to allow my wife to share after I share a few things and read this passage of scripture. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked? Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Verse 17, Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. 
I will give you the keys of the kingdom to heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosened in heaven. Then he ordered the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. All we're doing today is exactly what Peter did here. Peter confessed a life-changing confession. Amen, church? He confessed when Jesus said, who does the world say that I am? They had all of these answers and they had all these other things. And this is evangelism 101 right here. And they had all these, you're Elijah, you're this, you're this, you're this. And they had all these different answers. And he looks at the disciples and almost like he points his finger at them, but he says, who am I to you? And Peter, first one to stand up, probably. I can just see him looking at him, tears in his eyes. You're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. And that confession changed his life forever and changed the whole world forever. Me and Jenna are standing here today because we have confessed Jesus Christ as Lord over our life. That's the only reason we have had the privilege of being here today is because of what Jesus has done in us. And you say, well, why do we share testimonies and why do we need to hear about that? Some, you know, sometimes testimonies can be long-winded and different things like that. But we share testimonies because it's important to Jesus. And so what's important to Jesus and the kingdom of God should be important to his people. Um, and, and so the thing about testimony, and I'll let Jenna share, if you look up the Hebrew root word for testimony, it's the word ud, U-W-D. And that word ud means this, to do it again, to repeat. And so every time somebody shares their testimony, God is hovering over the place saying, I'll do it again for you if you want me to. If you'll let me, I'll do it again. I'll push repeat button and I'll do it again. And that's literally the meaning of that word. And so this is why we share our testimonies. As you evangelize, as you share out in the streets, it's why it's so important to share because God is saying to people when you share your story of what he's done to you, I'll do it again. And so that's why we share today. That's why it's important for you to know the foundation of what we stand upon. We're not just somebody that decided to take a job. We, we, we have surrendered to calls to ministry in our life. We don't believe in, in jobs in ministry. We believe in callings, and God has specifically placed us here. We're not here just to get money and get a salary. That's a part of the equation. Um, but I just really feel God has ordained us to be here at this time, um, in this place. And so uh, I want you to hear from my wife today of, of her foundation and how she came to know the Lord. And so I'm going to uh, hand it over to her. I will add in some things as she talks and you'll understand and laugh here in a little bit. So, Well, um, they wanted us to come share a little bit about ourselves. And I love what he just talked about with testimony, because when I get up here and share about myself, there will be things that you learn about me as we do life together. Um, you know, I'm, I love wildflowers and bright colors and I'm usually the one at camp. I was the one who kept getting, not in trouble, but shushed because I was the one screaming and the kids weren't getting in trouble. And I was like, I'm sorry, I keep forgetting. Um, I, li I have got four babies who aren't babies anymore. Um, if I drink too much coffee, I get real jittery and out of control. So I only drank half a glass this morning to make sure I would not be wild up here. But I can say that if you're going to want to know anything about me, the best thing is what I will share about what Jesus has done in my life. And so I can't do that without just talking about how I came to know him. 
And so um, I grew up in Brownfield, which is outside of Lubbock. Um, my parents brought me to church. Did somebody say hallelujah? Are you from Brownfield? Wow. Oh, okay. We'll pray for you we'll after the service, chat. all right? Yeah. That's cool. Um, grew up in a Catholic church there. Um, my parents brought me. We went regularly. And um, I just was... Did it I just do something? Out. Is it on? There it is. Oh, okay. Um, I had heard scripture my whole life, which I realized later, because um, they actually do read that in the church services. But I was so naive to God's word, I didn't even know that they were reading scripture to us when they were reading out of this big book at the front of the church. And so I know that I had heard scripture all my life, but it, none of it had made sense yet. And Jesus certainly didn't make sense. And so um, I grew up there in Brownfield. I was a pretty fun kid to be around, but I was not the kind of kid that you probably wanted coming home with your kid because um, fun was getting in trouble. And so just had a lot of stories from there. I hope you haven't heard about me, sir, uh, from Brownfield, <laughs> but just have a lot of things that, you know, thank the Lord for grace. I just wasn't a great kid. Um, went to college at South Plains, went to college at South Plains and, um, Met a guy there that I was sort of dating, and, or not sort of dating, I was dating. Um, he was a pretty big loser, but um, I... Big, I'd say this in the first of them, say it again, big loser, all right? And I hope he's watching today. <laughs> big loser. So. I'm sorry. Um, anyway, but I worked at a bank there part-time, and one of the girls that I worked with kept saying, my husband works at FedEx, and we really think that you would click with this guy, and I'm like, I've got loser boy here. Like, I don't need to go be meeting anybody else, but whatever. I went to this cookout at their house. They were having a cookout and playing cards. So we went and in walks the boy. And I did think he was really cute right when I saw him. I got all nervous. And um, anyway, long story short, we hit it off, started flirting, left my number. He came and got me. I cheated on the boyfriend, left him. Like I was done with him. I liked this guy. So, hey, if you doesn't love Jesus and you don't know him, it's fair game, it's baby. Fair That's game. what I think. And you're not married, yeah. Fair so, game. Um, anyway, I started dating him, and immediately upon dating him, I just started realizing that there were some things that were different, and I just had never seen anybody uh, be the way that he was. Like he said words like flip, like instead of the real F word, and like listen to Christian music, that still was so, I still remember hearing Christian music for the first time and thinking, what is this? Like y'all are singing about the cross and resurrection, and this just is weird, but okay if you like it. Um, didn't know there was such a thing. He used to open car doors for me. He'd like pray with these homeless people that kept coming up to him, and so he was just very different, and I kept thinking, oh, I think I like him. Like, he is like a good guy. Like, I have, you know, hit the jackpot, and so then I got to be around his family. His family was very different. Um, they, like, were good people who were, like, really sincerely good people who loved me and um, loved their kids, and they just were, I couldn't even explain it, and so God was stirring all these things up in my heart, like questions that I had, but I didn't even know how to say the questions that I had. Um, and so anyway, Kate and I are dating, which he shouldn't have been. This is not a promotion for missionary dating. You need to date people who know Jesus. They need to be walking in step with you and with the Holy Spirit. Y'all need to be doing that together. But God can 
do things, even when we are not in good spots. And so I'm dating him, and he ends up going off to a camp, and it's on you surrendered to ministry on your 21st birthday. Okay. But not when bad. he was 21, he said 22 in the last service, and I was like, no, that wasn't right, sir. But he went, he was on, he went to this camp, and at that camp, it was on his 21st birthday, I told the last service, I was so shocked that he would go to a camp on his 21st birthday, because when you're 21, you go to the bar. But he didn't want to do that. He wanted to go to church camp. Like, what's wrong with you? And so he went and did that, got a call for ministry. And of course, when God called him into ministry, started dealing with other parts of his heart, like this little wild Catholic girl that wanted you to go to the bar on your 21st birthday, you probably need to sort of deal with her. And so when he came home, He was living with his sister, and I was at his sister's house when he got home. Um, His sister was not there because she had just gotten diagnosed with cancer. And just watching, goodness, watching all the ways that there was peace in the middle of their family during that cancer time spoke Mm. things to me that I still don't even know how to express. Um, There was just the difference. And so when he came home, I started being sassy because I knew he was probably going to break up with me. You know how you can feel it? And so I was being sassy. Not because I wanted to. Well, I was being sassy and I said, I just think we need to talk. And he said, we do. Let's go to the front yard. And I was like, oh, shoot. I forgot. He's Mr. Like straight up, Mr. Honest. So we go in the front yard. But again, had all these questions and all these things that I had seen, but I didn't know how to ask. And so when we got out there, I just was like, your family is different, you're different. I don't really understand. I don't even really know what I'm asking, but I'm asking something, you know? And um, he just said, if you die tonight, do you know that you would go to heaven? And I said, well, I go to church every Sunday. And he's like, that's not what I'm talking about. Like Jesus came to die for your sin and wants to live on the inside of your chest. And when he said that, I could feel it. You know, when that Holy Spirit comes to talk to you and you're like, oh my gosh, he wants to live inside of me. He wants to forgive me for all of this hoo-ha crap that I've been dealing with. And so that's for Tom Jones. Anyway, um, God did that for me. And so I knelt down in that front yard, accepted Jesus that night as my Savior. And there's just not ever been anything like it. There's not been anything ever like it again. Um, I, tell, I told the first service and I tell people all the time, when God came to live inside of me, he really did make me new. And I remember I wasn't blind like Paul in the sense that I couldn't see, but I could see differently. I was 19. And so I had lived a life one way. And then when Jesus came to live inside of me, I was different. And so I remember getting in my car that night and I'm driving and I pull up to the stoplight and the Holy Spirit, who I didn't even really know what the Holy Spirit was. I didn't know what I was getting myself into when I accepted Jesus that night. The Holy Spirit is speaking to me and says, this is your first time to see a road light as a Christian. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's so true. And so then everything else from then on, it was like that for a long time. There would be so many new things like, and I know, you know, anything I did, it didn't matter. The first time I went to the library, it was like, this is the first time I'm going to get to read a book as a Christian. This is the first time I'm seeing a movie as a Christian. This is the first time, you know, whatever it was, it was the first time. And I think it's so sweet because God will still, it doesn't happen as much because I'm 17 years deep with Jesus now. 
There will still be things occasionally. And he's like, hey, this is the first time for you to do this as a believer. And so I'm so grateful for that and just thank for, the, for what God has done. That night when he saved me, there were specific things that he set me free from in that moment. Um, and then, of course, there are things that I have still and am still walking out with him um, for my sanctification. But it's not ever been the same because he's been with me now for all of it. And I'm just so thankful for that night because I think I really did not know what I was doing when I became a Christian. You know, Kate had me pray my own prayer that night, which I was so salty about at the time because I thought, no, like you're Mr. Jesus guy. Like you need to be telling me what to say. And he was like, I'm not doing that. And I'm so grateful because the words that I cried out to the Lord that day were not refined. They were not fancy. They were not probably the right lingo that we use in church, but it was my heart to him. And so just an encouragement to anyone in here who has maybe had things where you feel that, you know, I say it's like when deep cries out to deep, sometimes we have things in our spirit that we question and that we wonder about, but we don't know how to, or if you're like me, you don't know how to get it out of here to here to get the answers. But Jesus is the answer. You know, that night, just with him coming into my heart, he was the answer, and he has continued to be the answer just in things that I have questioned in life that I don't know about. And so I hope you're searching this morning because Jesus wants to live inside of you, even if you don't understand it. So there you go. You know, it's crazy to look back on that time and think when Jenna came to know the Lord and I got to be a part of that. One of the ways that she encouraged me was so crazy after she got saved. We got in ministry and got married probably a couple of years after that. And so God knew that he needed to be quickening her faith. And, you know, I'd come home from FedEx and working and I'd be on the couch watching ESPN and Jenna had been reading her Bible for three hours after work. And she'd come in and ask all these questions. And the whole time I'd be flipping through Sports Center, I'd answer her questions and she'd walk out of the room and I thought, I need to be reading my Bible, uh, you know, during that time. I mean, she just craved her work, like craved it. Every day she would read and read and read and read and read. And she didn't go to some discipleship class or she had somebody mentoring her during that time. But if you want to grow as a Christian, just read God's word, man. Just read his word and open it up and God will speak and he'll take you and direct you to the right people to answer questions and to be able to grow. But it is no one else's fault if you don't grow as a Christian, but your own. It's just your own. You got to own some of it um, in your life. Now, there can be things where people are not obedient and not helping you in that. But ultimately, if you want to grow, God will meet with you uh, and he'll grow you. And so it's just so sweet to remember that time with her. Um, I come out of a different environment than what Jenna came out of. Um, my mom and dad are in the crowd today. Um, I would have them stand up, but they'd be mad at me if I did. Um, they're not those type of people. Um, but I come from a home. Um, he said, amen. My dad did. Um, I come from a home. If I could honor them, I would. I would have them stand up before you today because I have the best mom and dad and I was prayed for from the time I was in the womb to the time I was out. I didn't know if I'd cry in the second service, but apparently it's happening. So um, I am super grateful for the mom and dad that I have had. I have a dad that is a great businessman. 
walks with a ton of integrity, um, loves people, um, loves to speak wisdom into his kids and his wife, and he is by no means perfect. Um, uh, and my mom laughs. Um, but if I have to stand next to somebody and it's my last breath on earth outside of my wife, I would want to stand next to my dad. And if they weren't here, I wouldn't be crying this much. Um, and, but I just, I just know what it is when God places you in a specific home and from the time you come out, you know God's goodness and faithfulness from the get-go. I was raised in a, in a healthy, good church. I was raised in good children's ministry. I was raised in good youth ministry days. Um, Tommy, I actually knew Tommy when I was, he knew me. The first time I ever met Tommy was when I was in a freshman in high school. And I kidded in the first service. He had gray hair then too. Um, uh, and so he's had gray hair forever. I think he came out the womb gray-headed maybe. Um, and so he's known me. Him and, him and Lana have been such an intricate part in my life. I love to be with Lana because she laughs at all my jokes. Um, And so just been an intricate part of my life. But I mean, I just know I I don't have the testimony where I have drugs and alcohol and I have all this brokenness laying around me. Man, I have a mom and dad that loved the church, that loved people. We were with families that prayed together, endured things together, and we did everything centralized around Jesus. And I am living proof, mom and dads of what it looks like to raise your kids up in healthy places in the church and to pursue them with everything that you got, to speak into them. I'm I'm evidence of that. Now, my mom and dad would tell you before you golf platform me, there's been lots of issues along the way. (laughs) Lots of issues. Um, But I just know my mama is a great Bible teacher, loves the Word of God, um, had a lot of training all through my life as I was growing up, um, and just in so many multi-facets of life, my dad and his business mind, the things that he does, and my mom and Bible teaching and the things that she does and the way she knows God's Word, I'm just, I just feel so blessed to have what I have in a testimony. Um, and I'm not here to apologize to you today and, and say that I don't have one of those fascinating ones where God redeemed me from this. God still had to redeem me from my own sin, though. I, was, I had sin at 10 years old. I confessed Jesus Christ as Lord at Dalhart, Texas at FBC, walked forward on my own, and I knew that day that I confessed that I was called to lead. I was ready to lead, and I knew it, and I was a leader throughout that. That's not an arrogant thing. I just knew what God had called me to do. My, I've made it, I've wanted to do this on purpose to make sure that I did. I knew in the back of my mind growing up, I knew that God had blessed me for a certain reason. I knew that he was bringing me up the way that he was bringing me up for a specific reason. And if I would completely grab a hold of that, not get everything, but if I would grab a hold of that and I would run with that baton, I knew that God would use me. And I did not want to lay down what God had given me through my mom and dad and through the church I'd been raised in. I wanted to be a forerunner for it. And so I made sure as I've pursued life that I've taken full advantage of God's goodness and faithfulness through my mom and dad and the legacy that they've left to me, through my grandparents, um, through my family, and through my church. I've tried to carry that through. Um, I had some 
days of weakness for sure and rebellion, and there's been dumb decisions. I didn't say this in the last service, but I broke up with Jenna three times. Can you believe that? Looking at her and looking at me, you're thinking, dude, the grace of God followed you all the days of your life, right? And so I've done some dumb things in my life, but God has been so faithful and good to me. And so I stand before you today just to confess that. As Peter confessed there, the life-changing confession that I have is that I don't have the broken road story, but I was still a sinner that needed Jesus, and I've tried to take full advantage of the blessing that he's given to me in my life. I surrendered to ministry at 21 years old uh, and, and it called to just be in youth ministry. Didn't know if God would ever. I didn't use, I want you to know this too. I didn't use youth ministry as a stepping stool to get somewhere else important. Man, I'd wear a youth pastor out to use that as a stepping stool. You want men that, that hear God and say, I want to be in youth ministry, and that's all I know at this point. I didn't move from that point. I put everything I had into youth ministry. Didn't know if God would ever call me to be a senior pastor. Didn't know any of those things. But I put my full heart into youth ministry for 11 to 12 years of my life and loved every minute of it. Loved every second of it. Love youth, love kids, love to be involved in that, believe in a holistic ministry as a staff. We believe that we're serving all together, amen? It's not like, here's Kate, here's all your responsibilities, that's all on you. One of the greatest things that I love already since I've been here is there is a holistic approach to ministry here. Um, and it's, it's just a good thing to see and to be a part of. Um, and so uh, I did surrender to a call to really preach and pastor a church. I went to Stinnett, Texas, uh, for the past five years and have served there uh, at FBC. There's several here this morning that are from there that I have built relationship with and have loved. Um, it was a hard, hard time to leave that place. Loved that place. We plant and root where we go. And so there's a state of mourning in us, but there is also a state of excitement to know that God has called us to Bushland, Texas and to be before you. Um, and we want you to know something about me. I don't come half-hearted. We come to put our roots in the ground. And so we know that that requires a lot. And we know that requires hard work. And we know that requires for us to serve you and to be there for you when we can. And we know that requires for you uh, to allow us to make mistakes and to be able to repent from those things and make those things right. Because we ultimately know that God has uprooted us and rooted us back here because he wanted this and has ordained this. And so... Um, as you look and as you think today, as Peter said this in this confession, as you've heard my life-changing confession, if you've heard Jenna's, one of the important things that Simon Peter answered and what he said, Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And the way that he says that, there's a couple of things that I think are super important for us to know. Peter looked at Jesus and he acknowledged you are the anointed one. You're the one. That's what he said to him. None of the other disciples stood up. Je Jesus looked at them all, and Peter was the one to stand up, and he said in confession, you're the one. And then he adds up and follows it up with, you're the son of the living God. Why is that important, and why is that important in our lives as Christians? Because he confirmed through that confession the Trinity. You're God the Father, you're God the Son, and you're going to be God the Holy Spirit that's going to release on the earth. Amen, church? When he went to the cross. And we are here today, 
And we're able to speak the word, even the word of Jesus, because of life-changing confessions that were before us. I look at my brother, Scott Green. Got to hear his testimony at men's ministry. And to hear his story and what he's come through as he was talking and having a relationship with him over the years, as she shares, you know what I was thinking? That's my story too. Because the same God that did what he's done in me did that in Scott. And God is all into doing it again, church. He's into repeating it. And this is why we become a body and this is why we become believers and this is how we unify as a church is to make sure that we're carrying the testimony of Jesus, not in the pep rally every week, but we're carrying it out there. We're carrying it in our homes. We're carrying it at United. We're carrying it at Market Street, wherever we're at, restaurants we're at. And we make sure that every step that we take, we discipline our lives to make sure it's on purpose with Jesus. And that's what we desire and that's what we want. And so today, I wanted to ask you a question that I think is important as we end and as we look at this. If Jesus was here today and he sat down next to you, what do you think Jesus would say to you? What would he say to you? Some of us would be in utter fear because I think that's going to be our reaction when we first see him. I think you're going to be scared for your life. We see that in evidence of the word Isaiah is, I'm a man of unclean lips. Fear is the first reaction. But remember what he says also. Do not be afraid. So if Jesus came in here today and he sat next to you, what do you think he would say? And I think as you sit there and you think about that, a lot of us think he would just sit there and point out all your mistakes and all the things that you're doing wrong. I don't want to remind you, church, that there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus is what the word says. He cast our sin as far as from the west to the east is what it says. That's how far he's cast our sin. So if Jesus walked in here today and sat next to every one of us, you know what I think he'd sit next to you and do? He would encourage you. And out of that encouragement would come confession. How do we know that? Because he looks straight at Peter and he says, who do you say that I am? Peter says, you're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. And then Jesus says this, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. This was revealed to you by the, by, by flesh, not by the flesh and blood, but by the father in heaven. And I tell you, Peter, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Can you imagine if Peter is dealing with some serious stuff and Jesus sat next to him and said that to him? You may be in the same place today and Jesus sits next to you and gives you some profound thing that you have no idea how to grasp a hold of it. That's how good the love of God is. He can see things and draw things out in us through just encouraging us, um, giving to us. And so as you think about this, as the band comes today and as the ministry teams come, maybe today it's been a while since you've moved in the Holy Spirit. I think it's really important, church, to be a church that continues to move. One of the most dangerous things that can happen to a church is to become comfortable. It, our job, you know what our job is? That when we leave the stage, when you leave the pews, when you go out today and you go out into the city and you go into your families, you know what your job is? To carry the testimony of the Lord. 
Because the more you carry the testimony of the Lord, the more that spirit comes in here. And the more we do that, the more God extends our tents and extends things for our lives for us to not just look normal, for this to look like the kingdom of God. So it's important for you to respond in whatever God says to you today. So maybe it's been a while since you've done what the Holy Spirit asked you to do. Maybe you read your Bible, you do your devotional, you do all the right steps. But when it comes to being on the aisle in the grocery store and God says, go speak to this person or pray over this person, you don't do those things. God never intended to redeem you just for you. He redeems you to get to other people. He redeems you to get to other people. He wants to multiply what he's doing. And I want to encourage you. Bushland, Texas, and the church at Bushland has come a long ways. Some of you have been here since the beginning. And I want to remind you that God still has a plan and a purpose and a future and a destiny here. And God's not just putting pieces of the puzzles together so that we can high-five each other every week. He's putting pieces together because we are going to go attack the gates of hell. That's what we're going to do. And we're going to do it with our lives. We're going to do it for our children. We're going to do it at the grocery store. We're going to do whatever it takes to make sure that our feet are stepping on purpose for the gospel. And the more we can press into that, the more God's going to bring us together as a body of Christ. A believer, it ought to reach a point into a church. The moment a believer, a non-believer hits that back door, when they walk in this room, they ought to be so overwhelmed by the time they get in their chair, they're wanting to run out. That's how sweet it needs to be in here if we are truly carrying the testimony of the Lord away from here. I'll share this one last thing and we'll do ministry. If you're looking for opportunities to do this, God will open the doors. I'm renting in Amarillo, Texas. Renting's no fun, right, church? It can be complicated and I've had all kinds of problems with our house, the AC. Jesus, let's just pray right now for my air conditioner. And the first day that it happened, maintenance guy came over and he walked in the room and the Lord revealed some things about him to me. And it's not like anything special, but I just thought, God, you give me an opportunity, I'll do it. And I'll, and I'll try to minister. We kept having issues at the, the, the house. And you know, I'm one of those people that I like for things to be fixed and right. And when they don't, I can get cranky. Anybody else in here? Come on with it, right? But you have to know sometimes problems are invitations into people's lives. The, pro the, the problem that was manifesting in my home that was really a first world problem is an invitation into someone else's life. And by the way that I respond to it and the way that I handle that, I can either wound somebody or what can I do? I can get invited into somebody's life. And so God put me in a pickup truck yesterday with this guy, yes. And God cuts a little piece of heaven out and it's in my truck and he just vomits up on the way to Lowe's. Hallelujah. You know what I ask him? Same thing that Peter asked. Who is Jesus to you? And you know what he looked up at me? Tears in his eyes. He said, he's my savior. And I said, so you know who Jesus is? And he said, yes, sir, I do. And I'm not gonna tell you what I got to minister to him, but I put my hand on his heart. And this is a maintenance guy at my house. Put my hand on his heart, and we just cried and wept and asked heaven to come and minister. It was so much more of an encouragement probably to me than it was him in those moments. Will you be obedient, church, to what God has? So 
come this morning. I'm gonna pray and we're gonna dismiss here in a little while. Uh, come this morning if you need ministry um, and let God love on you this morning. Let me pray with you. Grab the hand next to you. Jesus, we just come. We thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning. I pray for Jenna and my heart to connect with this body. We pray for that, God. My desire is for them to know that we are for them and not against them. God, intricately, divinely, knit us together. Knit us together in this time, God. And I know there's gonna be things that me and Jenna go through. There's gonna be things that this church goes through, that the staff goes through. God, I pray that we would continue to fight for each other, that we would be for each other when there's problems, when there's things that come up. We ask God that we would do what we're supposed to do as Christians and continue to move forward as a church. Pray that we would not look back. We would not just get comfortable, but God, we would pursue the kingdom of God with all that we have. We love you, Jesus, and it's your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the church at Bushland. We exist to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We hope you will stay connected by following the ministry on Facebook and Instagram by using the church at Bushland and on Twitter by using at TCA Bushland.